Alright guys, so before we get started, I just want to put out a trigger warning. This episode is incredibly inspiring, but we also cover some physically graphic content and how that affected our guest emotionally. Please consider this before tuning in. Welcome to The No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. And now, presenting the present, the gift of my new presenting sponsor, Brightline. That is right, Truth Speakers. Brightline, as in the train, is now an official sponsor of The No with Nikki Spo. Seriously, what a gift. You all know I am a Miami girl and I love to show mad love to my South Florida roots. So this partnership just feels really in line for me. I love, love, love intercity travel too. And I can't wait to tell you more about Brightline. For now, stay tuned because mid-show, I am going to tell you all about what you can expect from Brightline this holiday season. If you know, you know. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of The Know with me, Nikki Spo. So I want to clue you in on a little something here. So I always record these intros after I do the, I interview the guest. And that's because I like to see how it goes and just like really get a grasp on like what the, the full messages of the episode and what the guest has to say. So I am like borderline about to cry here because my conversation with Danielle Kreese was magical. I mean, talk about having life perspective. Today, I'm interviewing one of the most inspiring humans I know. Danielle Kreese is a wife, daughter, sister, traveler, survivor, and trainer. Since she was a young girl in Miami, Danielle has always had a deep desire to experience as much as she could in this life. She always knew she was going to do something extraordinary. She wanted to see the world, to absorb the beauty of this earth, and to truly live. Since those formative years, she has had specific experiences that have been completely transformative with moments that altered her path and sent her on the journey of her life. Eight years ago, Danielle survived a near fatal boating accident here in Miami, Florida. So if you're from Miami, you might recall the accident. It was an accident in which her Achilles hamstring, sciatic nerve, glute, and portions of her torso were severed. Today, she is a fitness professional with a unique perspective on life. She is someone who uses her life experiences to bring the best out of herself and other people. In this inspiring episode, Danielle recalls the serendipitous moments of the boating accident that allowed her to survive. She discusses how her life has purpose. This story will make you cry and it will make you laugh. It will humble you and serve as a reminder to practice gratitude for even the smallest of joys we have in our lives. I am honored to know Danielle Kreese, and I am so grateful to share her journey, what she knows, with you today. Let's dive right in. I'm excited to chat. Thank you so much for taking the time today with everything that you have going on in your life um, and just being open to having this conversation. You know, after going through what you've been through, I feel like your story is your story, right? It's how you identify and how people probably now 
identify you, right? So you probably tell your story a lot. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that like you tell your story a lot. So I hope it doesn't get old for you um, because I think it ultimately brings like a lot of hope for so many people. Yeah. I mean, that's really um, kind of why I'm always open to telling it. And my injuries are so obvious um, if I'm wearing shorts or if I'm in any anything that shows my leg that I get asked quite often and, and hopefully it does inspire someone or just help someone in some capacity. I mean, that's really, uh, there's been a lot of positives that have come from this accident and that's one of the blessings of it. Wow. Your journey. It doesn't, it doesn't even seem real, Danielle. It really doesn't. And I mean that in the most sensitive way that I can, um, you are the survivor. You are a survivor of a near fatal boating accident that happened in Miami several years ago. And I remember hearing about the accident. And as you know, I grew up really close with your cousin, Amanda. And I don't think I will ever forget about that day. And, you know, when, when bad things happen to people who you know, even if you don't know them on a deeply personal level, it still hits very close to home. And I th we're going to talk about this later, but it's like you, you, sometimes you think that accidents like yours happen to other people, right? They don't happen to the people close to you or to you. They happen to other people. They're stories that you like hear about fictional characters almost, and it doesn't seem real. And so while we're going to talk about, you know, the, the horrific accident that you endured, I also want our listeners to know that this is ultimately a story of perseverance and hope. That's what this is really about. Because today you are a National Academy of Sports Medicine corrective exercise specialist and a personal trainer. And if people were to hear your story without knowing who you are today, I don't know that they would believe that this is who you would become, right? Like if they heard the story of like the woman who got into this horrific boating accident, are you projecting that same person to become a certified personal trainer who is helping hundreds of hundreds of people. I mean, you, you nearly lost your life and your ability to walk. So that said, welcome on the show, Danielle. Um, I'm really, I, I'm really emotional about today because of what I said, like, because it doesn't seem like this can happen to people in your, in your sphere, in your, in your network. Um, and I just think you are so incredible. So thank, oh, you. thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I, you know, it's also, I think, especially uh, being from where we're both from, growing up in Miami, uh, how many times have you been out on the water? How many times have you been Nixon Beach sandbar? Just over the years, whether we were younger with our parents, whether we grew into it with our friends, even still to this day going out on the water, it just, uh, you never expect it to happen. You always hear these stories. Um, but like you said, you always feel relatively removed from them. So I think that's also another component to those of us who are from here or who spend a lot of time in the water in general is just um, the awareness that this can happen. And it's kind of, you know, even eight years later, it's a very surreal thing to think about. And it kind of catches me off guard sometimes still to think that it happened to me. Well, so then let's, let's start, let's start with the accident and we're going to go back and forth a little bit, but I want to start like first with the accident. Um, what happened that day? All right. So, um, I had just gotten back from, uh, my husband now, he was my boyfriend at the time. We had just finished two years in South Korea. We were teaching English and we were just uh, done backpacking about four and a half months in Southeast Asia. And basically I came down to just see my family before I moved to Taiwan. It was about 10 days or so shy of my 26th birthday. So this was my last opportunity to really go out 
with friends before we left, um, be out on the water before we kind of moved to another country. So I had gone out with one of my best friends, Kendall. And actually there were so many people out on the water that day uh, that I knew or knew from just other people, I guess you could say. So many people that went to Palmetto, my high school, and just everyone. Everyone who was everyone was out there, I guess, on this particular day, because that's what we do, right? On the weekends in Miami, you go out on the boat. Um, so we had gone out. I remember I had left that day and my dad, who's always really nervous, he's been a cop here for about 45 years or so. So he's hyper aware of everything that could go wrong in Miami. Um, he was like kind of really weird that morning and he just kept telling me to be careful and be careful. And I was just like, don't worry about it, dad. I'm going to sleep out. I'm sleeping at Kendall's that night. So I wasn't driving home. We weren't having to get back into the car. We weren't doing anything. I mean, even her boat docked right at her house. So we didn't have to like deal with anyone else driving or anything like that. So we're trying to keep it real safe. It was one of those stunning Miami days that you really don't expect anything bad to ever happen because it's so beautiful outside. The water was perfect. The sun was shining. The sky was blue. Everything you dream of when you think about going out on the water in Miami, essentially. Um, so I guess it was kind of later into the afternoon a little bit and Jeff was finishing up a drink on the boat and I asked him to go into the water with me and he asked me to wait for him. And this is probably the one decision that defines my entire life. Um, I didn't wait for him and that'll probably stick with me forever. But within those five minutes of me going in and not waiting for him, is kind of when everything happens. So the, the fact that it happened to me versus anyone else that was in the water that day is pure chance. I mean, you've been out uh, to the sandbar. People are everywhere in the water. We had about, I don't know, you know how it goes with friends. Everyone ties up to everyone, and it's just a line of boats. And so I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But we were at the very end of the line of boats. So I'd gotten in the water, and then someone else was coming. And I guess they just pulled up and tied up next to us for, I think, literally just five or 10 minutes. And within that time, I was swimming, enjoying myself. And then he backed up, I guess, without looking behind him. And essentially, the propeller caught my Achilles. So it started off at the ankle and then essentially dragged me into it, I guess you could say, and went all the way up my leg, uh, crossed my butt and started to cut into my ribs. And at that moment is when he turned off the engine. So thank goodness that that happened because if that would have continued to go in my ribs and kind of towards my torso and everything, it probably would have been a complete game changer. Um, but that being said, it's kind of strange how everything happened really perfectly. I mean, if it didn't happen as perfectly as it did, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you. Someone had uh, was coming this way, I guess. I don't know. I guess there's video, but someone was coming from another direction because he wanted to see a friend that was out on the boat that all of us were on. And he was actually the first person to see what happened, I guess. Oh my gosh. And then the person he wanted to see happened to be an off-duty um, paramedic. And also my cousin is a paramedic, Jason, who was out on the boat that day. So he happened to be walking this way. And then the other person was driving on his boat this way. And it kind of worked out perfectly because he was able to reach me first. And then if uh, Evan, Evan Griffin, who was the, the MT who originally, or the paramedic who originally got to me, 
if he would have stayed where he was, he would have never even known that the accident happened because people at the very end of our little boat tie up weren't even aware that anything was going on. Weren't even aware. So like no. you're underwater or you're, you're underwater. Yeah. So you're not screaming like, like. Kind of felt like being a, I'm assuming in like a washing machine. I can't even. Um, but it's really, it gets a little blurry. <laughs> to be honest with you at that point. Um, but it was just pure chance that Evan ha- happened to be walking towards our boat um, through other people's boats. And it was pure chance that this other person out on the water was going in our direction. And I believe he was the first person who got to me. And I think I came out of the water and he asked if I needed help, which I guess was just a question you ask, even though it's quite obvious. Um, but I couldn't really speak. I had lost um, pretty much over half of my blood, the doctor said, and it was probably pretty immediate because I was in the water. And the the lacerations and everything that happened was so severe that my whole leg was basically completely open. So they pull me out. And again, this is when it starts to get blurry. Um, there's just a lot of commotion. And, and I don't know what's my memory versus what is other people's memory, to be honest with you. Oh my gosh, like, I, I understand that. Yeah, because of that blood loss and everything and the shock of everything that was happening. But with Evan and with Jason, my cousin, I guess they were able to keep their wits about them because this is what they do for a living. So they were able to grab towels and kind of try to make some tourniquets. Um, My husband, Jeff, was holding my leg together. Essentially, he was screaming at me not to like leave him. And personally, I believe that his voice kind of grounded me if that makes sense, even though I wasn't fully there. And I'm sorry if my voice sounds a little shaky, but it tends to happen when I talk about this. Um, But yeah, so they made the tourniquet and I guess they made the call that if we would have waited for air, uh, the helicopter to come, I would have bled out. There would have been not enough time for them to make it. So I got put on a boat and essentially they rushed me to the Kibis. It was, it was actually the person's boat who hit me. Okay. Um, and then I got taken to the Key Biscayne Yacht Club and kind of was just dying, essentially, without being dramatic. I mean, that's what was happening. Right. And another, you know, serendipitous thing that happened was that my dad is, was chief of police at the time of Key Biscayne. And so when they put out the call, they said my name. And Oh, my God. The police. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. I know. I, there's a lot of insane, insane, tiny little details and little oh moments that had to happen in order for everything to fall into place. I'm just like, as a parent now, I'm like imagining getting, like hearing a call on a radio at, at work or whatever. Like, and my dad was a firefighter for my, for Miami mm-hmm. beach, for city of Miami beach. And like, just hearing a call with your child's name on it. Yes. He didn't hear that call, but luckily I think Jason's wife, if I'm not mistaken, Jason's wife, Fiorella, who you may also be familiar with, I'm pretty sure she was the one who ended up calling my dad, if I'm not mistaken. It was either her or Amanda. I'm not exactly, I don't remember the details, but basically rescue came, but the police officers also heard my name. So police officers showed up on the scene and essentially, Jeff likes to call it, if you are familiar with the Mighty Ducks, the Flying V. And that's pretty much, I think, the only thing that got me to the hospital in time because the doctor said, 
less than 60 seconds in traffic um, would have been, again, another game changer that I wouldn't have been able to come back from. It kind of blows my mind to think about all those tiny things that had to line up. It definitely makes me feel like for some reason I'm here for a purpose because for all those little things to happen, it just seems so wild. I mean, we've heard stories and especially after my accident, maybe because I was hyper aware of them, but so many stories of people not making it and so many stories of boating accidents happening right in that same area. So um, it just was all very strange. My dad ended up making it to the hospital in time to see me, but they essentially told him to say goodbye. Um, my mom didn't have her phone on her at the time and then ended up getting stuck behind a bridge that was opening. <laughs> So she was freaking out. You could imagine the scene at the hospital with a bunch of people who are just on the boat all day showing up. I think Jason may have had like pigtails in his hair or something like that. Oh my God. Um, oh my God. <laughs> so it was, um, it was wild. And then I guess uh, two days later I woke up in the ICU and I was intubated and I was strapped down because I guess I was fighting the intubation. Um. And I woke up and uh, I saw my family, but the first thing I did was write, since I couldn't speak, I wrote Jeff's name in the air because he's one of the first people I needed to see. Um, and I did. And then, and then the real, I guess, journey kind of started from there because it would have been uh, really easy for that to be the end. I think that's something that always stuck with me was how easy it would have been to kind of fade away. I like, we're here to talk about your journey and I, but I, I'll, and I don't want to make it about me, but I, I just want to say this because I feel like a lot of people can relate to that feeling is that it would just be easier to fade away. Just like you said, I can relate to that. Like when you were just talking about like, if that this makes you believe all these serendipitous moments make you believe that you have a purpose. I know that even though like I have not experienced a physical like accident in the way that you have, and I have never, God forbid, like, thank God, lot, like come close to losing my life in that way. I think I might've come close to losing my life in other ways. Mm -hmm. Like I, I can definitely relate to this feeling of like, oh my gosh, I overcame this and that's, I'm here for a reason and my life has meaning because I also recall, and I, and I, I, after reading about your story and doing my research, I know that you have struggled with like depression and anxiety in, in, in your youth. And I, I too ha share that. Mm -hmm. Um, but with that said, I can, I can relate to thinking it would just be easier to not, to yeah. like, to not have a reason. Right. And that like over time and life experience and man, everybody's journey is so different and it's not a straight line, but you come to a place where you realize, no, my life really does have purpose. And whatever serendipitous moments that is for a person, it's beautiful when that can come together and yeah. be that reminder. It took, it took a while to um, accept that. I mean, even now, Sometimes I get uncomfortable with that idea. It feels like a lot of pressure. At first, you're just, you know, you go into some dark places in your mind. You you ask why over and over and over. But it came to a point where you 
I couldn't continue to ask why because I was never going to move past what happened because there's never going to be a right answer for that. You're never going to be satisfied with the answer of why did this happen to me, at least not when you're initially in like the throes of such a shocking thing. I mean, I was the happiest I had ever been in my entire life, which like you mentioned, I had depression for as long as I could possibly remember and try and finding that happiness was I would say even more than the accident, one of the greatest struggles of my life. Um, so to have that kind of just like all stop, like I said, within a matter of moments, because I made one decision not to wait an extra five minutes for Jeff to get into the water with me. It was a lot of, I don't know, there were some dark days <laughs> is all I could say. Obviously, this has been a defining thing for me. And they really didn't know if I was going to walk again. They didn't know if they were going to have to amputate the leg because the lacerations were so, so deep. They didn't know um, how many infections I would get because of the nature of the accident being in the water. You know, uh, this weird saving grace was that they were new propellers. So they were cleaner than regular propellers. So the cuts were cleaner and there wasn't like, you know, that buildup that you get sometimes. And that all contributed. All of those little things contributed to me not getting really horrific infections. And if I would have gotten those infections, they would have had to continue to open me up over and over and over and over again. Um, they expected me, if this happened in September, they expected me to be in the hospital till at least Christmas. And I actually left the hospital within about two and a half weeks. Not necessarily because I was ready, but I hadn't developed any infections yet. And, you know, hospitals, as much as they try, are full of infections. Um, I got later on, I got MRSA later on in my recovery. But in those initial first weeks, they thought that I would be safer out of the hospital because by some miracle, I didn't get an infection and they didn't have to open me up more. You know, there were definitely lots of times where I wondered if amputating my leg was going to be easier. I wondered if I would ever walk again. I, I honestly, I wondered how I was ever going to live again. So spoiler alert, you are happy today in yeah. the life that you're living. Yeah. Yes. So, but like, even before that, it's like, there was a legitimate chance that you were paralyzed. Like, weren't you, you were paralyzed. Like you could not move your leg. I, yeah, I am. I am uh, still paralyzed you are. Uh, from the knee okay. down. Um, so basically in the back of my leg, it severed the sciatic nerve. Um, and it was a really, a really significant cut. Um, and for most people that would have never been able to grow back to the bottom of their leg. I mean, for all intensive purposes, I absolutely a hundred percent am still paralyzed. And in a way these days, I'm honored to be part of the process community because they're, it's composed or comprised of so many incredible people. And I've had um, the privilege to meet some of these people. Basically, they took part of my sciatic nerve, they put it in some Petri dishes. And then about a week and a half into recovery, he asked if I wanted to be the first person in the entire world to receive this experimental surgery for uh, paralym paralysis. So basically, you know, it's not the full lower half, or it's not like a quadriplegic where it's the total body, but it was one of my limbs that was paralyzed. I, I've always had this, especially coming out of depression, I've always had this uh, deep desire to kind of live this extraordinary life. And I thought I was doing that through travel, but that was very much my own, you know, that only really benefited me. And then when he asked me that, I felt like it was truly my opportunity 
to do something greater than myself. And I never expected that it would work for me. You know, that's to be the first person. There's still a lot of things that need to be figured out. And I, I, I understood that, but I told him that I always kind of wanted an extraordinary life and that this was my opportunity. So it was kind of um, a no brainer for me to say yes. And the crazy thing is, is that when all of that happened, and I'm sorry if I'm jumping from here to there, but when all of that happened, the government shut down. <laughs> and oh my gosh. Yep. And you have to wait for FDA approval for all of these things that hadn't gotten approved by the FDA yet. And when you're growing these nerves in Petri dishes, you only have so long before it starts to develop bacteria. And basically, we got a call one night and it was like, wham, bam, like this was, I think I got this surgery almost a month to the day of my accident. It was a huge waiting game. I mean, there was definitely no indication that anything was going to work. The only aspect of it that was successful was that I didn't get sick. I was laying out at my mom's house, I'll never forget. And I was just like, oh, for like, you know, shits and giggles, I'm going to try to move my foot. It moved like literally, I mean, almost, you almost couldn't even tell that it had moved at all, except obviously I kind of saw something and then I, I didn't believe it. And it was just the whole foot just made the tiniest, tiniest little pulse. And I just kept looking at it. And I did it again. And I just kept looking at it. And I was like, this isn't real. This isn't real. This isn't real. Like some other part of my leg, because I still have function in my quad. I have about 70% of my quad and about 30% of my hamstring. And the paralysis starts from the knee down. So I was like, oh, it's it's another part of my leg that's doing something. Like this isn't real. This isn't real. Like, And then I, I took a video of it. And I sent it to Jeff and I was like, do you see what I'm seeing? And then he, he confirmed it. And then I was like, no, but it's not real. It's not real. And then I saw my family later that night and I'm like, do you see this? And then they saw it and I was like, no, it's not real. It was just too hard. I don't know. I, I, I was, I was afraid to believe it, I guess you could say, because if it was, if it was something else that was making that little, little tiny pulse, I probably would have been devastated. Um, and it wasn't until I saw the doctor and made an appointment with him that, and they did some tests of running, you know, conducting electric currents down my leg and stuff to see if it was actually firing off. When they confirmed it was actually happening, that was pretty powerful. Um, but that being said, for the most part, I now have a little bit more where I could plantar flex so I could kind of point. A little bit and I could very slightly like put my foot out but that's been the extent of it and that that is going to be the extent of it so I I can't feel my foot I can't feel my toes I can't move my toes um, I can't internally rotate my foot but what that meant for me was that they had succeeded they had made something move that was never supposed to move and what was that going to mean for the future of paralysis and people who were even more severely injured than I had been? So that was pretty incredible. <laughs> all right, you guys, let's take a break so that I can tell you all about Brightline. So Christmas is in the air, South Florida. So put on your PJs and hop aboard the Polar Express a family event full of holiday cheer. 
a one-of-a-kind experience with hot chocolate and fresh cookies served by dancing chefs. Shout out to the dancers. You know I got mad love for you. Interactive onboard performances complete with sing-alongs and read-alongs. And you will even get to meet Santa Claus himself. A holiday experience like no other, the Polar Express is a magical recreation of the classic children's story led by a cast of talented actors on board a real train. This one-hour journey is one of the most joyous events of the holiday season. So if you're coming from West Palm Beach or Fort Lauderdale, hop on the Bright Line to quickly and conveniently get to Miami Central Station for your immersive trip on the Polar Express. Prices start at $50 a person. The event takes place from December 11th through December 30th at Brightline's Miami Central Station located in downtown Miami. Tickets are available now on GoBrightline.com. From the, the jump from being paralyzed like to becoming a very active personal trainer, it seems impossible. Like, like really impossible. Um, what inspired you to even become a trainer? Um, well, my mom was a trainer growing up. Uh, so I Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. She um, was a trainer at the JCC. <laughs> it was something that always made sense to me. I mean, through the depression, through insecurity, through any ups and downs in my life, being in the gym just always translated to me. It was like a language that I was able to understand, if that makes sense. Um, and I mentioned it a little bit before I was kind of in one of my peak physical conditions right before the accident. Jeff was busy tree planting. I was waiting to move. So basically all I had was time. So I was running and I was doing CrossFit. And I, I really do believe that that contributed to the way that I was able to recover and the way that my body was able to withstand the trauma of the accident. So that always stuck with me because I think if I had not been in that condition, I don't know if I would have been able to um, come out the same. I mean, you think about when you lose the the ability to move, you know, even though my other leg was working, there was still so much of me that was broken and was trying to recover and was so, so open with the with the cuts and everything that was happening that I pretty much just had my upper body. And I remember uh, in the hospital, they took me to do a little PT or whatever, and they gave me three pound weights and that exhausted me. And that was such a shock to me that the body can, can go from feeling so strong to so quickly being atrophied and so quickly losing that strength and everything. And it was kind of a lesson that always stuck with me. You kind of lose that. So I felt like even though I was in recovery and even though there wasn't much I could do, there were parts of my body that were still able to work and still able to move. And I really, really, really focused on that. I mean, whether it was doing upper body work, um, after a certain level of relative recovery, I was still in an immobilizer, so I couldn't bend my leg. I was in a boot. I was in all those things. But once I got a little bit stronger um, with my walker and I was out of the wheelchair, I was doing like tricep dips on the walker. And I, you know, when I got MRSA, I was back in the hospital in November and I asked them to bring my weights. Even though it was only like five pound weights, I was in my hospital bed just doing, you know, shoulder presses and things like that. Um, and so that, you know, for my entire life, that's been an outlet for me. 
And I think more so than anything, that message of movement being therapy and movement being medicine and movement being like the one thing that I really could control in this situation, it became very paramount. And, you know, I kind of always wanted to be a trainer. I loved, I loved just being in the gym more than most people and everything like that. But after the accident, knowing how the body could come back and knowing um, how much help it was mentally and emotionally, I think that was the biggest, biggest push to actually realizing that dream. But I just, I never stopped moving. You know, you hear that, that saying, if you, if you don't move it, you lose it. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but that's honestly how I felt. So, uh, you know, it was always really important for me to continue to challenge my body as I got stronger and stronger, even if I was walking funny, even if it ended up hurting at the end of the day and my knee would be gigantically swollen or my leg would be massively swollen or something like that, or my hips would hurt. Um, it was just, like I said, it was the only thing that ever made sense to me. So when I was in California, I finally felt like I had developed enough strength to become a personal trainer. Cause to be honest, even to this day, it's a little bit of a mind game for me. Um, I see the way that other fully functional bodies can move. I understand what correct form is. I know the way my body should move and I know the way it could move if I wasn't injured. And sometimes, you know, I'm showing a client something and I don't do it as perfectly as I wish I can. So, you know, I had to kind of overcome that initially, that that fear of just not being good enough or not being able to show it well enough. Um, so that was a little mind game that I had to play with myself. But again, I have such an incredible support system and people who believe in me. And I believe in movement so much that I had to do this. I understand what it feels like when you think you've reached a certain level and then you drop all the way back down and whether it's someone who has who just needs to have surgery or someone who like you said fractured something broke something i mean that still plays a role mentally in how you handle things i mean you're still limited you you think you put in all of this work all of this work and you think you've reached this peak and then life just brings you back to that starting line you are I was like, I, you know, obviously like, I, I hope that Ray and Christine, my editors, they like keep part of this like background talk in there because I, I had to go get my charger. My computer died like right in the middle of this recording. And so I had to go get my charger where it was. And I'm like thinking to myself, Danielle is God's work. Like, and I say that with respect to like whatever people believe in, like whatever they believe in that the universe created or whatever, science, I don't care what you believe in. You are a miracle and you are the work of higher power. And I think everything about your story proves that, like truly proves that your gift to this world, your gift to the people who know you. I'm grateful to know you even from like, an outsider's perspective. And I do feel like I like having read, read about your story. Okay. I also want to share like the whole, like how this lined up, right? Like I was going down a fox hole or a rabbit hole. Is that, what do they call it? A rabbit hole. I was going down a rabbit hole of social media. You know how people do mm -hmm. go down rabbit holes of social media. And so I landed on your page and I'm like, holy shit, here's Danielle, you know, made a name press, nay press. 
like jumping on like seven boxes. Like I can't, like, like I totally can't do those jumps, but like, here you are. I'm like, it's obvious. Like if you go to your Instagram and so if anybody, whoever's listening, you can go check out Danielle. Um, your IG is what? Danielle Strength beyond M. circumstance. Is that your IG also? Yeah. Danielle M. Crease. Danielle posts these workouts on her Instagram, which is at Danielle M. Crease. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, holy shit. Like I, there's no way I can do that type of stuff. And it's obvious. Like, so for people who are listening, like your leg, it is obvious that you have been injured. Like that's just the fact of the matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just watching you and I'm in awe. And so I go down, I'm like, I'm, it's like, it must've been like one o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep. And I'm, I'm doing this on, on social media, which is horrible to do, but I'm grateful for this because I then started Googling your story. And I realized that night, I'll never forget. I was at the hall of fame, um, the basketball hall of fame. And that night I realized it was like, it was the eight year anniversary of your boating accident. And I'm like, holy crap. Like what are the chances that I'm just like coincidentally looking into like your story and like just recalling my own personal memories from like our friend, well, your cousin and my friend, Amanda, like having this experience, like on that day with you and it's the anniversary of the accident. And I told myself, I have to reach out. I have to reach out to Danielle. Like she might think I'm a total weirdo, but I'm so grateful that I did and that you accepted and you are so gracious and you're so willing and you're just, you have a light from within that inspires me. And I know that it inspires all of those who you come in contact with. So, well, thank you. Thank you. This is one of those uh, situations that this is again, one of those positive things that have come out of something so dark is to be able to share this conversation with you is such a surprise uh, to get that message from you. Um, especially because I don't know, I guess I don't expect to receive those messages so much anymore as more time goes on and stuff like that. Um, but you know, just for I guess anyone listening is is that it could be the darkest of dark situations. Um, but you honestly it could be quite surprising the beautiful things that could come out of those dark situations. And it doesn't mean that these days, you know, you talk about my workouts and it's so funny because again, it's so hard to not think about, Oh, I would be able to do that better. If my leg was different, I'd be able to do that better. If my body was different. Oh, I can't do this because I don't have the capacity to, and you know, you start to, sometimes you could spiral. Um, and, you know, I'm so grateful for everything I am capable of, but I'm also human and I also um, deal with my own insecurities in, in regards to it and everything. And I still struggle with that to this day sometimes, some days more than others. Um, but, you know, that's okay also, just for people to hear. It's okay to feel those things. It's okay to feel that struggle. It's okay to feel down sometimes. It's just, uh, it's honest. It's, it's truth, I guess, you know. Um, but just like this conversation, just like people I've met, just like, you know, being a part of the paralysis community, having the surgery that I had, it's, there have been such incredible blessings that have come from this accident that while I wish it never happened, I, um, I can't be mad at it anymore. Like I don't have any, any real anger towards it anymore. I mean, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't have reconnected with you if it wasn't for that accident. 
Well, Danielle, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so honored to have you on the show today and I'm grateful for you and for your life and for all the difference that you're making in the world. Thank you so much, Nikki. It was so lovely talking to you and reconnecting and yeah, good luck with everything. And I look forward to listening to more of your podcasts because I'm honored that you even asked me. I've seen some of your guests and they're incredible people. And I just feel like this is such a, an honor and a privilege. So thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much to Brightline for sponsoring this episode of The Know with Nikki Spo. My family and I got to ride the Polar Express last week and it was nothing short of magical. It was a perfect family night out, but I'm not going to lie. I feel like it would make a really sweet date night as well. Tickets start at $50 a person and they are selling out quick, folks. So head on over to GoBrightline.com to book your passage now. Thanks to Brightline and thanks everyone for listening because when you know, you know, and that's why you're here. Happy holidays over and out. Thank you so much for listening to The Know. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued, and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The Know. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The Know with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.